You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast brought to you by our very good friends at Alumni Hall. Make sure to check them out online at alumnihall.com or here in Athens inside the Epps Bridge Shopping Center to get all the best Georgia gear that you're going to find anywhere on planet Earth. But you guys know I am your host, Tyler, and back with me for the first time, I think, I think, since the National Championship recap episode back in, what, mid-January, early January, is my co-host, Curtis. Curtis, has it has it really been that long, man? I think it has been that long, you know, and I, I was trying to figure it out, and I think it really has been that, truly been that long. Yeah, I was I was going back through our through our list of episodes. I was like, yeah, I don't think he was on this one. He wasn't on that one. He wasn't on this one. I think it has been like a month and a half. So, Curtis, the listeners want to know. I know where you've been, but the listeners want to know. They want to hear it from you. Where have you been, my friend? Well, let's see. Um, it's just it's been a whirlwind. Um, last month and a half, we uh, I closed on a house, so I've been moving. We you know started the whole moving in process and then fixing the house up to do what we want or be how we want it, and then sprinkled in with that some weddings out of town, and then going out of town to um, finalize the plans for my own wedding. It's been a uh, very busy last month and a half. You know, parents have been coming in town to check out the new house. You know, so I. I know that's uh, it's an exciting time in your life. I know, but it's also like an insane time in your life. I know that too. So I'm just glad you're back, man. Glad yeah, it's good back. to be back. It, 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 you know, it's gone by so quickly. But then when you sit down to do the show, you actually you miss it and realize, wow, it's been too long. I mean, honestly, I hadn't realized that it had been like a month and a half. I mean, I know you haven't been on here this entire month. I guess I was I was going back and looking, and I was like, because I was trying to prepare for the episode. I was like, I was going to like call you out and be like, man, you haven't been back in like two or three weeks. And I was like, no, it's been longer than that. <laughs> and I was like, I went back and looked. I think it was like the, the recap episode of the Natty. I think that was it. But all right, I'm pumped. I'm pumped to have Curtis back on here with me today for a lot of reasons. But I'm definitely excited to have him back because this means that we can finally get to the long promised way too early 2023 Georgia football preview. I know we've been talking this one up. I've been talking it up for a couple of weeks now, but it's now here. It's finally time. We've got Curtis. We tracked him down, and we're going to do this thing today. It might be a little late. It might not be as way too early, but it's still early enough. But at least we're going to go with that. So, Curtis, we all know what happened this past year. The dogs have just gone back to back. All of our wildest dreams have now come true, 
or have they, Curtis? Because as he was running around SoFi Stadium on January 9th, celebrating with the crowd, Kirby Smart, I know everyone saw this, was caught on camera counting one, two, three on his hands, very clearly intimating that we are not done yet and that he has plans for more and we're setting our sights on something that has never been accomplished in the at least the modern area of college football, and that is the three-peat, the ever-elusive three-peat. So, Kurt, let's just start there, man. If you would have – like, we went back in time and we told our 2016 selves that, hey, guys, seven years later, you're going to be going for a three-peat. We would have said that's insane. That's crazy. But, Kurt, how crazy is that, really? Is it really that crazy? No, it's not because, I mean, you know, when you really think about it, we have so much coming back. Um, and, you know, you know, we have a lot of un- – there's a lot of question marks probably still with the whole what's going to be the offensive light, offense like. But I think um, especially next year, we're going to look at a recipe very similar to what we were two years ago. I mean, we are going to have one heck of a defense that's going to be the backbone of this team. Um realistically and so I think when you group that to group it all together it's hard not to it I mean you really have to look out and be like who out there can beat us that's that's where I, I I'm at right now Curtis is like I I mean we don't know how good we'll be like we have ideas and we're going to talk about all offseason we're talking about it right now but you, you never know until the guys get out there and they kick it off and you see what we've got I, I have a feeling we're going to be one of the best teams in the country but it, it, I know on the service it sounds three P like that's just not going to happen. Like no nobody is, is going to be able to do that. Like all the Bama dynasties, you know, or the Bama dynasty in all their great years, they were never able to pull off the three P. Went back to back, weren't able to pull off the three P. So how are we going to be able to do that? And I, I know it sounds crazy, but you look out there at the landscape of college football, and I just have to ask myself, who is better? Like who who is more equipped to go out there and win the national title next year? If you look at it from a talent standpoint, from a culture standpoint, from a coaching standpoint. We have the best of all. Like you can argue that Bama may be more talented overall than us, maybe, but it's marginal at best. Uh, our program right now, the way that Kirby's established it, it is built out. We have the culture. He's he has the standard established fully right now. I mean, our coach. I know we lose Todd Monk, but outside of that, I mean, the coaching staff returns intact at least right now. We'll see what happens. You know, there's some some reports out there. Glenn Schumann looking at the NFL potentially the Philadelphia Eagles, but right now, outside of of Monk, and that and that's a big loss. Don't get me wrong. The coaching staff returns intact, and Kirby was very open about last year how great the coaching staff was and, and how it was the best that he's ever been around. So if you look at all of that, I mean, I, I just have to ask, like, who is it out there? Of course, I know Alabama fans think that this is going to be the year they get back on top. Like, is Alabama that team that's going to challenge us? If I have to be honest, I don't think so. I mean, they have a lot of question marks um, offensively. Um, quarterback's going to be a huge issue with them, I, I, I have a feeling. Um, not only that, but you they, they just don't – I mean, off, you know, they have good – I think receiver is a big question mark still for them. Jermaine Burton's probably going to be their go-to guy. Um, and, you know, he didn't. It's good luck if he's your go-to guy. I mean, exactly. like you know, they thought they had him last year and, you know, he really wasn't. Um, with Bryce and, Young, by the way. Yeah. And with Bryce Young. Um, and then now you take into account defensively. I think Kevin Steele's a good DC, but they just don't have the weapons that they had when you think of when they were really good, especially when Kirby Smart was their guy. I mean, I know people will point to us and say, okay, well, Georgia's losing. Like, the argument against Georgia, okay, you're losing Todd Monk, who it's a big key to what you did offensively. Obviously, maybe the biggest key. You're losing Stetson Bennett, who I think is an all-time great quarterback for Georgia. 
And how do you expect to be as good next year when this offense with a new coordinator, new quarterback, guys who haven't played before, you might take a step back. Well, you, if you say that about Georgia, you say the exact same, about, same thing about Alabama. And you know what? Oh, by the way, they're also replacing a defensive coordinator as well. And their program is not as on it's, it's not on as solid footing as our program is right now. So Alabama is going to be Bama. They're going to be really good. I'm not going to say they're not going to completely challenge us, but I don't think they're going to be better than us. I, I, I don't see that right now. Ohio State um, is one to look at. They have a lot of returning talent, obviously losing C.J. Stroud. Is Ohio State going to be better than us next year, Curtis? I mean, I know we have a long way to go, but if you look at on the service, are they going to be like clearly better than us next year? I don't think so. Um, yes, having Marvin Harrison Jr. back will be huge for them. Um, and then the other receiver. Okay, yeah. um, but the fact is, they. St- <clears throat> I think where they lost a lot is going to be defensively. Um, and I think that's going to be what they're going to have to overcome the most. And, I mean, realistically, they had a very veteran-led offensive line. And they are also replacing quarterback, too. I mean, again, if you want to knock us for that, yeah, you're right. They're losing a lot on their offensive line. You're losing their quarterback who everyone after the, after that game, you know, the sugar and the peach ball is talking about how he's the best quarterback in the country and you're losing that guy. And Ryan day is still Ryan day. Well, I mean, Ohio state's going to be good. Alabama's going to be good. USC is going to be good with Caleb Williams. Michigan's going to be good. I mean, Michigan's basically back their entire team. They're all going to be good, but can you sit here with a straight face and look at any of those teams and say, Oh yeah, they're clearly going to be better than Georgia. No, I don't think you can. I can't. If you, if you can't do that, then it, you can't say it's crazy to suggest that Georgia can actually go for a three P I'm not going to sit here and pound the table and say, we're going to do it by God. I'm not going to sit here and say that right now, but I also think it's crazy. I think yeah, I mean, be, I, if I had to be honest going into the year right now, I view our offense, our, our team as a whole better than I did this past year. I actually, I agree. I think, I do think talent wise overall, I mean, we're losing some key pieces, obviously with, with Munkin and Stetson and, and Jalen Carter and Broderick Jones, Kenny Mack, Darnell, all those guys are gone. But we also were really young on defense last year, and we've got a lot of those guys coming back. We've got a lot of key pieces of offensive training. Hey, Brock Bowers, that maybe the best player in the entire country is coming back next year. That's a great place to start. So I don't think you're wrong, Curtis. I think, you know, I said it back in 2017. Every year from that point on, we were going to be more talented than we were in 2017. It's like when we keep adding recruiting class on top of recruiting class on top of recruiting class, like – it just becomes an embarrassment of riches. And like, losing a Jalen Carter is never a good thing. You don't want to lose a guy like that. But, I mean, dear guy, like, you can, you can kind of cushion that blow because you just recruit lights out the way that we do, and especially how we've been recruiting on the defensive line. So, I don't know. I mean, I look at this year, and I'd say that we have to be the the favorite going into the year. I mean, we have to be preseason number one, right? Um, I mean, I hope not because I love the disrespect, but you would think so. Yeah, I, it's going to be a different animal because we did have that. You know, I mean, I know our players – played up too much they, they wanted to act like everyone was saying they were gonna go seven and five and it's like well i don't think that was the case but hey we were the defending national champion and we were not the preseason number one you know it was ohio state band was the conversation georgia was in there but we were on we were on the periphery we were like the number three team that's not going to be the case this year so it's gonna be a different animal Kirby's gonna have a different challenge on his hands but i mean i'm with you i would rather not be the prohibitive favorite but I, I, hey, let's just do it a different way this year. Let's do it that way. But Kurt, if we are going to pull this off, man, like we do have some some big pieces to replace. We, we mentioned some of those there, but I, especially offensively, let's, let's go to the offense. I think we have some big pieces to replace off of what I believe was the best offense in Georgia history. It was the first time that we've averaged, at least in, in, in what I was able to go back and find, the first time as an offense, we've averaged over 500 yards a game. We Average more yards per play than any other Georgia offense, barely eking out the, the 2012 Georgia offense, which was awesome. Led the country in yards per play that year, which was my bubble, by the way, just putting that out there. But still, this was probably the best offense in Georgia history. I, I think you can say that with a pretty straight face. 
So Todd Munkin, sets the Bennett are gone. Broderick Jones, who didn't give up a sack, is gone. Warman Clinton, who was a three-year starter at right tackle, is gone. Kenny McIntosh, gone. Darnell Washington, gone. A.D. Mitchell, gone for a different reason, but gone. So there's a lot off of this offense, girl. I mean, we have to be let's, let's, we have to be objective here. Like, we are losing some very key pieces off this offense. And let's start with Todd Munkin and Mike Bobo. Obviously, we know Munkin out going to Baltimore Ravens. Mike Bobo promoted to offensive coordinator. I've touched on this a little bit, Curtis. I know you have not had a chance to do so on the show, so I'm going to put it to you here, man. How much of a, a statistical drop-off do you expect next season with, with Bobo taking over for Todd Munkin? I don't know if I really expect a huge statistical difference. Um, you know, what I'm more interested in is going to see probably in the big games because, you know, I, at times I think that's where Munkin struggled the most. I mean, uh, Bobo um, struggled the most, especially in the big games and creating the matchups. And I think that's what Todd Munkin did so good. Um, you know, I'm, I, I'm still a little, well, Todd just a wizard. I mean, yeah, I'm still a little, like, it was unfair. It was a wizard. I don't think that there's going to be a huge drop off between everyone or, or to what everyone is thinking. I think that, I mean, people have to remember back when we were, Georgia was in the power system. Um, Mike Bobo was one of the best offensive coordinators. Yes. We had problems sometimes with the play calling or getting angry, like, especially when you think back to South Carolina game a couple years or with the Hudson Mason and Gurley. But I mean, relative, relatively though, our offenses were always statistically really good under him. And yes, he, you know, struggled, I think is what people are thinking of. Well, he was bad at South Carolina, bad at, um, Auburn, but he's never had as much talent as he's going to have. I think I saw something before, and I think it's true that probably the best offensive lineman Mike Bobo ever had while at Georgia was John Theus. That's not the case anymore. John Theus, I played an entire group. Yeah, probably. I Yeah, I guess. I, yeah, I guess. I mean, David Andrews? I guess. I mean, I guess you're talking about like, like in terms of. But I think I think like high draft pick Theus was the highest draft pick uh, player wise. We Theus was a five star dude if I remember correctly. I think he was probably the, the highest profile offensive lineman that we recruited. But we have those guys like up and down the roster right now. Yeah. So your point is taken. I, I definitely, I don't. I mean, but I would say David Andrews probably has had the most NFL success at center. That's probably but he fair. was like a, a three star. Yeah. Him and Ben Jones, but they were both three stars, right? And they were undrafted. I mean, I know. Um, I think they both were undrafted. I don't think. Ben Jones was drafted. I know sure as heck no um, Andrews wasn't. I have to double check that. Check on that for me while I'm talking here. I don't know. Is that true? They weren't drafted? I know Andrews wasn't because I remember him being a um, an undrafted free agent. Yeah, I remember. Interesting. But yeah, I mean, everything you're saying about Bubba is, is right, Curtis. I mean, look, I, Todd Munkin is clearly the best offensive coordinator that we've ever had, and it, it's hard to lose that. Uh, that. It's not a good thing when you lose the best offensive coordinator that you've ever, ever lost. But here's the thing, Curtis. What if I told you you could replace the best offensive coordinator you've ever had with the guy who I think is the second best offensive coordinator that Georgia has ever had, right? I mean, yeah, is I mean, that a stretch? I, I don't think it is a stretch. I really don't. I mean, because you mentioned I mean, so, so what I was talking about last week is, I mean, I know that Bobo, when he first took over as offensive coordinator, you know, he had to learn on the job, right? He was learning on the job, and it wasn't always pretty. And I, I know there was some – any coach, you can you can question any individual play calls. You can be the armchair quarterback, armchair coach. That's fine. You can do that. And there were some moments where it's like, all right, Mike, what are we doing here, man? And I, and I, I felt some of those frustrations too. But by the time he left Georgia – our offenses were elite, man. I mean, I, I'll go back and mention like not the most talented teams ever. Like even it's not skill, not coupled to the talent we have now, right? Yeah, I mean, even even it, offensive line, um, skill positions, every single one of those groups. I mean, quarterbacks may be the only difference, but everything else, we're light years ahead of where we were. 
yeah, I mean, Aaron, I think Aaron Murray was a freaking stud. Um, but you know, he did have Aaron Murray, have Todd Gurley and, and Nick Chubb. And, and well, no, 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 actually, the bad, no, Nick Chubb. Um, Todd Gurley and and you have Keith Marshall and you have No Sean at times. Like we we had Thomas Brown had a lot of talent. Don't get me wrong, but you know, if you're using the argument against Bob against Bobo, can't you use the same argument against Munkin? Well, Munkin had a lot of talent to work with too. Maybe the best tight end in college football that we've seen in a long, long time, right? Yeah. And, you know, you're talking about offensive linemen, all these five star dudes all over the place. I mean, like we're, we're pretty loaded, man. I mean, you know, go, even, I mean, not this year, but go back uh, to last year. You, you got Zeus, you got James Cook. I mean, we've got some big time players on this team. And Tom Munkin got to work with those guys as well. And like every good coach has to have good players. Like there's no coach that's going to be highly successful that doesn't have, that has like scrubs out there. It's just not going to happen. So I hate when that argument is used against Bobo. But I mean, go back to 2012, number one in the country in yards for play. Highest scoring offense in Georgia history in 2014, as I often say, with Hudson freaking Mason at quarterback. So I am excited about the hire. I know a lot of people out there disagree with me, and that's totally fine. Kurt, you mentioned South Carolina. And my thing with that, Curtis, is that was the freaking COVID year, man. He had no time in the offseason with the, with these players. Your head coach, Will Mushroom, gets fired midseason. Now, all of a sudden, you're the interim head coach, and you want to hold that year against him and say, well, he can't call plays because of that year? And then Auburn – you know, you butt heads with with the head coach of Brian Harson, who's an offensive guy who doesn't really let you run exactly what you want to run, and we're going to hold that against him. I don't know, man. I I personally don't. I guess you can if you want. It's, people do what they want. I just personally don't hold that against him. But I I think it's a good hire, and I think the you know, I, I know you don't want to replace the best coordinator we've ever had with the second best coordinator we've ever had, but it's a pretty good start, especially when Mike Bobo has been under working under Todd Munkin for the past year and learn, I imagine learned a lot from Todd Munkin. I don't think you're going to see a dramatically different scheme. I think it would be very, very similar. I think the run game scheme might be slightly different. I think the run game is actually going to be best because or better because I I, I had to find one thing wrong with the way Todd Munkin does offense is I don't think he was really good at scheming run the run game. The run I game think that he went back to a lot of gap scheme line. stuff after that Missouri game. I think that was a lot of Mike Bobo's fingerprints on. I do too. Time. I think in the run game, we were more successful. Um, the only times, or not the only times, but we were more successful just because, um, you know, we were more talented, uh, better running backs, better um, offensive line, and just the scheme of everything else opening up. I never thought that Munkin was great in making the run game happen. Yeah. And look, I don't, I don't know if we're going to average over 500 yards again next year like we did this year. But I, I also don't think we're going to go down to like 425. I think it'll probably be somewhere between like 480 and 500. You know, so I don't think it's going to be that much of a, a, a statistical drop off. Now you have your new quarterback. That's why I say like I don't know if you're going to average 500 yards with a brand new quarterback. Sure, could we? Absolutely. You know, maybe, maybe there's a world where whoever wins that job is going to be better than Stetson. I, I need to see that first. But maybe there's a world. I, don't, I just don't think we're going to be as productive. But again, I, I think I have a lot of respect for Mike Bobo as a coordinator. I think he was elite his last three years here before he did that Colorado State job. That's the reason he got that job, guys. He did a really good job with our offense. It was actually holding our program together behind the scenes, which you know I don't think gets talked about enough. I don't know of enough people really understand what he meant to our program in the latter Rick years. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. But, Kurt, we mentioned quarterback. We've got to talk about it, man. Like, we're burying the lead here, I think. We've got to talk about the quarterback battle. We are losing who I would argue and who I have argued is the greatest Georgia Bulldog uh, of all time. And, and greatest doesn't mean most talented, okay, at least in my lifetime, in Stetson Bennett. Maybe not the most talented, but – I think he's more ta- far more talented than most people give him credit for. And I think he's one hell of a gamer who came up clutch in big moment after big moment and delivered two national titles when we hadn't had one in 40-plus years. We know Carson Beck has kind of entered the offseason as the odds-on favorite to win the job, given that he was the backup this past year. Just makes sense. But, Curtis, there are two young guys behind him. They're going to fight like hell for that job, and Gunnar Stockton and Brock Vandegrift. How confident are you, Curtis, that Carson Beck's going to fend off both Stockton and Vandergriff and open the season as a starter against Tennessee Martin? Um, you know, I'm pretty confident that he holds off and starts the season. But if I had to be honest, I don't know how confident I am that he holds on to that job the whole year if no one transfers out. More to do with the fact of, especially this offensive coordinator change, I think the quarterback is probably the one position that's affected the most by the change. Who do you think it gives a leg up to, Stockton or Vandergriff? Um, I mean, I know Stockton, you heard a lot about him, but I think that Vandergriff was very close to things just clicked a little bit, maybe some mechanic things that I think he's probably the closest and um, the one that could challenge him the most because of everything he brings to the table. I don't think he's very far off from putting it all together or having the possibility of putting it all together to really challenge Carson Heck. I just don't know how to feel about it, man. I mean, how, how do you think about Gunnar Stockton, or what do you think about Gunnar Stockton kind of going way back with the Bobo family? You know, Bobo's dad was like a personal QB coach for him for a while growing up. I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna affect a lot. Um, you know, I think that he will understand the coaching. Will under. I think it's it's yeah. gonna help him a lot, especially as he tries to battle the position. And I think that um, him and Bobo are gonna speak the same language. Is where it, I think it matters. Like Bobo's not gonna I, pick I him just because he knows the family, but they speak the same language, and that has to help. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I actually think that between Stockton and Vandergriff, the fact, you know, both these guys grew up um, in families like where they're, you know, coaches and understand a lot of the football lingo. And I think that's going to matter a lot when it comes to Mike Bobo, because he's one of these that um, I know Munkin ran the pro style. I mean, he's a pro was is a pro coordinator now. Um, but I think if anyone was going to really, you know, Mike Bobo expects a lot about his quarterbacks. Um, he coaches them very it's hard. And it, so yeah. it's going to take some something special. You know, something – these guys have to be different. They're going to have to be head and shoulders above better than Beck. Like, it's going to have to be obvious. And I don't know if it will be. Maybe it will be. We don't know. I, you know, I, I've kind of gone back and forth in this since the Bobo promotion. Because at first I was, okay, well, Bobo gets promoted, so it's a new set of eyes on these guys. And, you know, he's a different guy. He's looking for different things. He's now the quarterback coach, which wasn't last year. So it, it gives Stockton and Vandergriff a better chance. And – but I don't know now because 
I felt like, you know, the one thing that was going to hold Beck back and really gave Stockton and Vinegar both the chance to win this job, even though I think Beck is going this season as the odds on favorite, was the mobility factor. Because Todd Munkin really became a believer with the whole JT Daniels and Stetson Bennett deal. Like he became a believer in the necessity to have a guy that can make plays with his legs, that can extend plays, can pick up first downs, can just be a threat with his legs and pose that threat. And I don't think Car- – I mean, Carson Beck's not a statue. Like, he's a decently mobile guy, but he's certainly not as mobile as, as Gunnar Stockton or Brock Vandegrift. So I thought maybe that might give them a chance with – even with, with Todd Munkin still here. Mike Bobo, though, Curtis, you know, he's not a guy that's really coached a ton of dual-threat guys. Do you think – do you think he's going to put as much of an emphasis on mobility as Munkin did? I think he will because I think the biggest thing is especially learning under Monk in this last year and kind of seeing the importance of it and why that was a lot, you know, why they did that and maybe understanding it and just seeing what it brings to the table. I mean, I know that you can always watch from the outside and see some of these um, more mobile guys and what their offenses are able to do. But when you're in that meeting room and understanding, well, this is why we're able to run this because of that, I think that maybe having an insight into the train of thought, especially someone like Monk who's coached, you know, quarterbacks that aren't mobile especially in the pros and things like that and who has seen it all you know there's probably been a lot of conversations about that yeah for sure and and Bobo you know people want to people have this the anti-Bobo crowd out there the haters have this conception of Mike Bobo in their mind that we're just going to run the I formation you know like it's like we're going (laughs) to we're going to run 21 personnel yeah I've I've heard people asking if if the fullback is coming back it's like dear god he hasn't reached the full I mean no I mean, yeah, he did, like, in 2009. Like, it's been, it's been a while, man. It's been a long time. Like, you know, JT Wall. Like, I remember those days, okay? I remember Brandon Southern. I remember those guys. I remember the finally guy. I used to play full fullback back in the day. But, no, that's, like, f- football's changed, and Mike Bubba's kept up with the evolution of football. It's, you know, are we going to do some things differently from a running game standpoint? Yeah, I think so. But I don't, we're not going to go back to like a 21 personnel. I think a lot of the, the haters of Mike Bobo out there, I think that that's their conception of him. Like he's just like antiquated and behind the times. And that's just not true. It's just not. I mean, it's not. You know, that If you don't believe me, go back and watch the tape from Colorado State. They were not running that kind of stuff. They were not doing that kind of stuff in South Carolina. It's, it's just not going to be the case. It's just not. And Kirby's not going to let that be the case. Kirby knows what he wants. There's a reason he hired Mike Bobo. It's for continuity. And continuity means you want to keep a very similar offense that we've had the past couple of years. So you've had so much success with. Keep that in place. That's why you bring – that's why you promote Mike Bobo. So – I don't know, man. I tried to put that out there. Just, I just laugh. I mean, I see these people on social media. I hear some people, some of my friends around town, they're like, man, I just don't want to see that offense. I'm like, dear God, it's not going to be that. It's not going to be that. But anyway, um, all right, let's move on here. I, I agree with you, Kurt, just to wrap this up real quick with the quarterbacks. I think that Beck has got to be the favorite. I'm I'm open to, to the possibility, though, that Stockton or Vandergriff could win that job. I think having a new new set of eyes there gives them maybe a chance with a new coordinator to maybe uh, do something here. I don't think well, – do you think we'll have a, a starter name – after fall after spring practice i don't i absolutely not because if they do it's a transfer yeah exactly yeah there's no way there's no way there's another i mean maybe Kirby's gonna be that really nice guy i, I think baylor did this you know they told um they told the quarterback from 2021 it's like hey dude like you're not gonna be the guy and um we're gonna go with Shapin. and he transferred out went to usf so, but i don't think Kirby's gonna do that <laughs> he's just not he, he wants to win he wants to have these guys and I, I, honestly the competition's probably not gonna be over like well it'll continue on through the summer into fall camp and we'll see what happens there because I do want to circle back to some of the other guys that we lost on offense so I'm just gonna kind of run through these guys and I want you to tell me how much does it hurt to lose each of these guys all right 
and actually the first one, let's go with two guys. We're losing both starting tackles, right? We're losing Broderick Jones and Warren McClendon. How much does it hurt us to lose both starting tackles heading into 2023? I think it hurts us a lot to lose Broderick Jones. I think Warren McClendon is the one that was replaceable. I thought he was replaceable potentially throughout the year with Amarius Mims. Well, we saw it late in the year. They yeah. Get the beat. yeah. Yeah. McClendon's going to be – or uh, you're right. Broderick Jones is going to be a tough one to replace. Didn't give a sack. There's was, was – a rock star for us over there on the left tackle position. Do you think Amarius Mims sticks at right tackle or does he move over to left? I think he's got the athleticism and play left. Um, I think he'll stay at right tackle, if I'm to be honest. You really think so? Yeah, I'd be shocked if he didn't. Who do you think is going to be in that spot for the left tackle? Um, I think you'll see a, chef, a battle between people like um, Ernest Green, and I think you may even see Trust try to go out there and battle for it again. Yeah, I, I think Ernest Green, you know, he dealt with an injury. He, you know, he was really coming on stronger in fall camp. He dealt with an injury for a good chunk of the year. I think that set him back from a developmental standpoint to a degree. But I would still probably tag him as my favorite, just be the, the left tackle if it's not going to be Mims. I think Mims will get a look there. But I, I think it's going to be – I would say Mims or Ernest Green. But I, I, I think you're – I think Truss will also get a look there. We have a bunch of guys that can play the interior, and uh, they'll get some looks there. I, I, I know that there's a – like Curtis, I mean – it, okay, let me ask you, if Trust moves out to left tackle, who plays guard? Um, I think we'd be better off. Um, I think you have between you have um, Tate Radledge and there's people like um, well, I'm gonna say it's the wrong person, but I'm I don't know why I'm saying Dylan Braun. It's not him, it's the um the wrestler. Oh, my mind's gone blank with his name. You're talking about Dylan Fairchild, right? Yeah, I'm I'm yeah, my, my yeah. mind I'm thinking the wrestler, that's my mind went blank with his name. Yeah, he, yeah, he, he, I actually, that was the guy I was going to say, Dylan Fairchild. I mean, Fairchild, yeah, I knew it Dylan. I, I went blank with the last name. Yeah, Dylan Fairchild, I think, would be a better answer at um, guard than what Trust was. I mean, even last year, I never, Michael Morris. Yeah. I mean, we, we have a bunch of guys who can play the interior. So if Trust proves that he's the best left tackle out there, then, I mean, he'll, he'll get that job and one of those guys will plug in at guard. But, I don't know. I, I, I just I don't know, man. I don't, he hasn't been able to do it to this point in his career. I'm not saying it's impossible. I just don't know that Truss has the foot speed to be like a really, really good left tackle. We'll see. Maybe I'm wrong. And I'm sure he'll get his look. But it is, it is going to be difficult to replace both starting tackles. We have one, obviously, in Mary Smith. we got to find an answer there at that other tackle. Uh, Kenny McIntosh, Curtis, leading rusher, third leading receiver, over 1,300 yards combined. How much is it going to hurt to lose Kenny Mack? I think it's going to hurt a lot, um, especially in the passing game. I think Kenny McIntosh – was so valuable in the passing game that it's going to be hard to make up for that. Who do you think takes over that role? Because like that's been like under Todd Munkin, we 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 had that, and even going back to like DeAndre Swift, like we've had that dude, Sony Michelle, we've had that guy out of the backfield. I know Munkin wasn't the coordinator for those years, but ever since Kirby Spinner, we've had that receiving threat out of the backfield. Who is that going to be this year? If I had to be honest, I don't know his health wise, but I think Andrew Paul will be a potential option there. Yeah, I, I mean, he was really making waves in, in fall game. It's a shame he tore his ACL. I, I just don't know how healthy he's going to be. He's going to be back to 100%. I just never know with these guys. Hopefully he's young. Hopefully he can bounce back really well. What about Dajan? I just – he as, could. As a receiving throughout the backfield, I think he could be that guy. He could. It's just not who I would probably think would be a difference maker there. I mean, he's not Kenny McIntosh level difference maker. That's for sure. I mean, Kenny Mack's going to be – that's going to be a loss. Like, we, we're Georgia. We recruit the running back position really well. Obviously, Kendall Milton's coming back. We know we've got Dajan coming back, Andrew Paul. And we've got Roger Robinson coming in this year. Branson Robinson's on is our, it had some really good moments for us last year. 
But I don't know if any of those guys give us what Kenny gave us, that versatility. And that that is a concern of mine. Like, where does that – because that was a big part of our offense and what we're able to do. I think Dajan's the closest to that. But you're right. He's not that level of a difference maker. Uh, Darnell Washington curse. Now, we made, there's a lot made about how great our tight end room was. Darnell was a freaking monster for us last year. How much is it going to hurt to lose him? I think it's going to hurt the most in the run game. Um, in the passing game, I think that Oscar Delp and some of these other guys coming in, like Lawson Lucky and Pierce Berland, are just as good as receivers. I think we will feel, feel it the most will be in the run game. So I think all three of those guys would be better receiving options than Darnell outside of maybe just like his sheer size. But in terms yeah. of running downs and athleticism and yards after catch, I think, yeah, they're going to be better options in that regard. But he was such a critical piece to what we did in our run game. And not just our run game, but our screen game as well. I mean, he was so important to all of us. That's why I was kind of mini freaking out when I thought, you know, he might not play the national championship game. Obviously, that proved to be unfounded. And he did play. But even if he hadn't played, we would have been fine. Um, but just it's going to be so tough to replace him because we like the guys that we have, they're all really, really talented. I still think we're probably the best tight end room in the country, but none of them do exactly what Darnell does. Like no one on planet Earth probably does what Darnell does. But I, hey, loss and luck. I'm going to throw it out there. I mean, he's not going to be the he, – he can be a pass-catching threat. Don't get me wrong. But I think he's going to work his way into some serious playing time this year because I do think he's a guy that – he's not Darnell. But I think of the guys on the roster outside of Brock, I think he's going to be the closest one to actually giving us some of that blocking acumen that Darnell gave us. He's not as big, not as strong as Darnell. We all know that. But he's a willing and also a very able blocker. He did that really well at the high school level. And with the coaching here, I think he's going to be a really good player. I think he's going to get himself on the field early, just being able to be out there as a blocker. We, I mean, look, you, you mentioned Oscar Delp. We know Brock Bowers. Those are the guys that are going to be the, the receiving options from that tight end position. This year. Maybe Pierce Sperling to a degree. And I'm not saying Lawson can't make some plays in the passing game. He can, but I think he's going to be he's going to find himself on the field in that blocking role earlier than he is as a, as a pass catcher, in my opinion. All right, A.D. Mitchell, Curtis, you know, he, he left for a different reason going to Texas. How much is it going to hurt to lose a guy that, even though he missed pretty much the entire season, was definitely our most talented receiver last year? Um, You know, I don't think it's fair to say we won't miss him. Um, his offense was better when he's there. But I think, um, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with Raw Raw or how long he'll miss. But I think just having someone like Dominic Lovett is a difference maker. Um, And I think that he – Actually, I, I don't know how much we'll miss AD in the fact of having Lovett to go along with what we already have in Ladd McConkey, um, Marcus Rosemey, Jack Sane. I think some of these young guys are going to start taking steps too. I think Marcus Rosemey can take a big step forward this year too. I, I think he can be. I think he can give us more as a receiver than he's given us. I mean, we know he's a, he's a ferocious blocker on the perimeter. I think. I mean, he's not ever going to be maybe as good as AD Mitchell was, but I think he can take a step for us this year. And look, the Ra Ra is going to be fine. Ra Ra is going to—he's going to play this year. I—I I don't see—he's not going to be off the team. He's on the team. He, he's basically alluded to that on social media. It's—he's he, going to be fine. I don't think he's going to be suspended. But even if he was, like Dominic Lovett was the big get. I mean, Ra Ra—I was excited to get him. Lovett was the better receiver last year. Lovett was dynamic. Lovett was explosive. He was the by I mean, far we the had best. No, we had no answer for him. If he doesn't get hurt, if he doesn't get hurt in our game against him. We lose. Yeah, and, and he's a different player than Rara and AD Mitchell. Like I don't really, he's not really an X guy, but I mean, in terms of playmaking ability, like he's was far and away a better playmaker than Rara Thomas was last year. I mean, hands down. Like I was, I mean, I'm excited to get both of them. Don't get me wrong. I was way more excited to get Dominic Love because that dude is he is a playmaker, and that's what we've needed at wide receiver. And we've got a bunch of young guys too that I'm that I'm really high on. Tyler Williams, I'm really high on Anthony Evans, I'm really high on. I think these guys can come in and make an impact right away. It, and I'm not trying to minimize the loss of A.D. Mitchell. He's a really good player. But, Curtis, we won a national championship last year, and the dude played, like, one game. Like, 
one game in like what a quarter against Samford in the regular season, essentially. Yep. And I guess he tried to play a little against Auburn and then his then he was back out. I mean, we were fine. We were perfectly fine without him last year and we'll be perfectly fine without him again. And I think I don't want to say we've upgraded the talent there, but it's certainly not much of a drop off with the guys we brought in from the transfer portal. All right, before we move over to the defense, one last thing I want to ask you about the offense here. Who do you expect to take a big step forward? Give me a name. Take a big step forward this year to become a household name or even just like an impact player that hasn't been one to this point. Oh, um, this is sounds like a cop out, but I'm going to Marius Mims. I think people know who he is, but this guy, but you, ha- you had to be a Georgia fan. Um, but I think that guy is going to become a household name, just like Broderick Jones was the way Mims moves. And he can be a weapon in the pass and run game. And I think even like the screen game and the toss sweep game, you'll see him making some big blocks out there. That's a good call. I'm gonna go Branson Robinson. I think that's a great call too. Yeah, look, and this is not. I know people are saying, "What about what about Kendall Milton?" I, I like Kendall, man. Kendall did some really good things for us when he came back from his injuries. A really good dude, and I'm really glad he's on our team. I'm cheering for him. I'm rooting for him. I'm pulling hard for him. I hope he proves me wrong. I just think Branson has an extra gear. I think Branson runs a little bit more power. Uh, I just like Branson's style a little bit more than Kendall Milton. That's just a preference thing for me. And I, and I really hope that Kendall has a fantastic year. I do think Kendall's going to have a really good year for us. I really do. I think he's going to hopefully make some money for himself. But I just think Branson Robinson's just a little bit more of a talented guy. So I, I think he, I think next year, I think we saw flashes of it this year. I mean, even the National Championship game, I know TCU kind of given up. But just the way the dude runs, man, like he's a freight train. He's a freight train. So I, I'm really excited to see him take that next step. And I think he might be that guy out of the back that really kind of takes over that, that number one role there, just kind of our – our hoss back there. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. All right, Kurt, let's flip things over to the defense, which is really what this program's calling card has been throughout our ascension to the top of the college football world. You know, last year, we saw exactly what, what I think we were predicting we would see from the Georgia defense. It was a defense that wasn't as dominant as the 2021 version, which was arguably a historical level of defense. Hard to be that dominant. But it was still an elite unit that, that didn't really drop off all that much from 2021. But, Kurt, there, there was a drop off, man. I'm just give you a couple of quick numbers here. So in total yards, we went from giving up 267 yards per game in 2021 to 296 last year. So about 30 more yards per game. Yards per play, which is a much more... Uh, that, that's a stat I put much more stock in. I think it's much more revealing. Yards per play, we went from 4.15 yards per play allowed in 21 to 4.88 last year. That's a pretty big jump. That's that's pretty significant there. Scoring went from 10.2 points per game allowed in 2021 to 14.3 
last season. So still an elite defense by any measure, but certainly not as dominant as 2021, which is what we thought we were going to have coming into this year, Kurt. So are coming into, yeah, coming into this season. But what do you project, Kurt, for next year's defense, the 2023 defense? Where do you project it to fall? Is it going to be closer to the 2021 version? Is it going to be closer to the 2022 version? Or is it like somewhere in the middle there? I think it's going to be closer to 2021. I'm not going to say to that level, but I think it's going to be a lot closer. Um, I, You know, I will miss Keely Ringo, but I think that we'll be just fine, especially in the past game without him. We'll miss Christopher Smith. Are we really going to miss Keely that much? I mean, Keely was really good for us. Well, not that much. I'm just trying to show him some respect. Um I but I think, and I think Christopher Smith, the guy was super smart. But I think with the guys we have coming in, are just as talent, or you know, more talented, um, will miss the leadership. But I think that they, those guys, can do it. Yes, we'll miss Jalen Carter. But I, if Bear Alexander was really, really coming on strong last year. Jordan um, Hall, Curtis. Jordan yeah, Jordan Hall, Hall is going to be huge. For I know us. he's a freshman, but dude, have you seen the tape? I have. The guy oh has God. really risen like crazy. Um, and I just think that this defense, I mean, linebackers are going to be absolutely loaded. I think the defensive line, we got some of these young guys, a lot of experience. Um, having Stackhouse back next year, Stackhouse in both. Um, my mind is going blank. Everyone on the defensive line. Warren Brinson. Yeah, Warren Brinson. Yeah. yeah. Have everyone back but Jalen Carter relatively on the defensive line. Yeah, I mean, in, uh, when you say that, it's like, Everyone but Jalen Carter, but Jalen Carter might be the first pick in the NFL draft. Like, well, yeah, but I, but I think I think the thing was that you're not going to be able to replace him him individually. But having everyone back to go with Bear Alexander, some of these young guys getting more experience is going to. I think we're going to be deeper, which I think is more is it's it's tough to say it's more important, but I do believe it's more important because I think the depth and quality depth is the difference. I'm also interested to see what we can get out of Christian Miller. We didn't get really anything out of him this year at all. Um, he was a guy that I was pretty high on when he came out of high school. He was a freshman this year, like Bear Alexander. I was pretty high on him coming out of high school this past year. And, you know, some, some of these guys, especially, again, it's a grown man's league. And when you got to play in the trenches, you're playing against grown men. So sometimes coming to high school, you're just not ready for that. And, in fact, most guys are not. So I'm not going to hold that against Christian Miller. I think Christian Miller is a really good athlete. Uh, he needed a year to get a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger. But if he takes that the right way and approaches the right way, I think he could be a guy that could be an impact player potentially for us next year, at least give us some, some good snaps there, along with all the returning guys that you mentioned that were big time for us last year. They weren't Jalen Carter. We don't have a true Jalen Carter right now. I think if we did, I think it's either Bear. I, honestly, I think it's Jordan Hall. I think Jordan Hall is going to be the closest to Jalen Carter. I mean, I mean, he's a freshman, so – can't really expect that, but like long-term, I think he's the guy that's probably got the profile to be closest to that. I think Bears would be really, really good for us. I just don't, I mean, he's not, he's not Jalen Carr though, right, Curtis? No, no, he, he's not, but I think he's very talented. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's powerful. He's explosive, but he's just not as powerful and not as explosive as Jalen Carr. I mean, Jalen Carr just flat throwing people around, Curtis. Like barely, it looks like he's barely, like barely touching guys. Like putting a paw on him, he's just throwing guys around. And, and couple that with the first qu- first step quickness. I mean, you have, the recipe for a potential number one overall draft pick. So I don't know if we'll take a step forward on the defensive line, but we're not going to, I don't think we're going to take a massive step back. Right? No, I agree. Yeah. I, 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 I don't think that we will take a massive step back there, but in general, I think this defense is going to be better. Curtis. I think it'll be better than last year. We were really, really good last year. I don't think we're, I don't, I can't say you're going to say that we're going to be 2021 level good. Cause I, I call that a historic level defense and it was, but I think we're probably gonna fall somewhere in the middle there. You know, somewhere between 2021 and 2022, we have, you know, both starting linebackers coming back. We do have a lot, no Jalen Carter, but we do have a lot of guys come back on the defensive line. Uh, I think Kamari Laster was our best cover guy, at least the back half of last year. He returns. We do lose Chris Smith. Now, Curtis, I'm a little bit higher on Chris Smith's talent level than maybe you are. I thought he was a really talented guy as well. 
Uh, I think he made some money for himself coming back this year. But Malachi Starks was the most talented guy back there in secondary. We know that. And he's back. And you mentioned like and some of the young freshman, Janelle Aguero. What about Tyke Smith, Curtis? Where's he factor? Is he going to look at safety? I think he will get a look at safety. I think that he'll be one of those guys to go with maybe um, David Daniel. Um, this is Sisabon, how you pronounce yeah. the last part? Yeah. Yeah, David Daniel's a good yeah. look. And yeah, I think, well, you also cannot forget Dirty Dan. I was going to say, Dan, my man Dan. He's back, dude. I mean, he's going to fa- – I mean, I know that he lost his job after week one to Malachi. I guess Malachi is just incredible. But let's not forget, he was a starter to open last season and, yeah. and hurt his shoulder, and he's going to be back. So he's going to factor in that. We have a lot of options, and that's the good thing. We have, a lot, we have some talented freshmen coming in. We've got some some guys that have been waiting in the wings that are really talented. We're highly rated recruits back in the day. Right. We've got some vets coming back with, with Dan and Tyke Smith. That's played a ton of safety, but he's played a lot of football. So we've got a lot of really good options there. I mean, I don't know if any of them will perform the level of Chris Smith because it's the leadership plus a, a guy who I think was a really talented player for us and did some good things for himself to make some money in the NFL um, next year in this, in this coming draft. But I don't think it's going to be a massive drop off there. Then you got Javon Buller coming back at, at, at star who might be the best slot DB in the country or certainly in the conversation. So I think, you know, Chris, I think we're loaded, dude. I think we're at, and Michael Williams in year two, year two of Michael Williams. I agree. Curtis, like how Mark, good could yeah. Michael Williams be this year? Oh, Michael Williams would be really, really good. I think he's an, I think he's right to the next step. And I think I Marvin think. Jones Jr. too, as once he's fully healthy now after the surgery, I know he's gonna miss the spring, but I think that, that guy's gonna be wreaking havoc back there. Oh, I, I think there's no doubt that he's gonna be a factor. So like, we we have somebody's got a factor in there off the edge, Curtis. I mean it's Chaz and basically Chaz. So we've got some young guys like Marvin Marvin Jones Jr., Darius Smith, another guy that I'm pretty high on. We got three studs coming in from this freshman class. Freshman, you never know what to expect, but uh, crazier things have happened. We saw with Dallas Turner you know, a couple of years ago with Alabama. So especially with early enrollees, people are a lot far, farther ahead than they used to be. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just I, we have a lot more depth at the edge position than we had last year. Man, I, obviously Nolan was awesome, and I don't know none of those guys are going to be ready to be Nolan Smith, but you know Nolan missed half the year. So we're basically rolling with Chaz and Robert Beal, who, you know, God bless them, did everything they possibly could and played their hearts out for us. But, you know, they weren't really elite. And now I think we have some potential to maybe have some guys that, that could perform at an elite level. We'll see. They got to do it. But we at least have that potential in a way that I don't think we really did last year. But Curry, here's a question I have for you. I'm kind of curious your thoughts on this. So our defense was really good last year. I, I think still elite, but not as elite as 2021, as we mentioned. But what has to happen for this defense to once again become the best defense in the country. Because that's what we were in 2021. We weren't last year. We were a top 10 defense, but we were not the best defense in the country. What has to happen for us to jump back up and once again be like the legitimate best defense in the country? We got to cut down on the big plays. I think that was the one thing that plagued us this year was we gave up a lot of big plays. And Curtis, I'm going to piggyback on that. I agree with you in the passing game. We saw that you know front and center in the Peach Bowl here in Atlanta against Ohio State. And also against LSU in the SEC Championship game, both the games in Atlanta. I agree with you, but here's what I'm going to say. I think those some of those big plays we gave in the passing game were largely a function of our inability to consistently pressure the quarterback off the edge without having to bring pressure. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I think it's like we have got to find a way to be more disruptive rushing the quarterback. Again, and I know it was a lot made of, oh, you don't have to sack the quarterback. You just want to affect him. And that's true. Again, I'm not going to poo-poo on that too much. That's true. But we also didn't affect the quarterback as much as we needed to. 
not as consistently as we needed to. I mean, we did at times against Ohio State, but not not consistently enough. But far too often was CJ Stroud let us just sit back in the pocket and operate unmolested and just deal to his elite group of wide receivers. And I know we want to kill Keely Ringo in, in, in the secondary, but you know when you got to cover an elite group of receivers like that, couple first rounders for you know God knows how long because quarterbacks just sitting back there unmolested. That's a tough ass, man. That's tough. And and you're the one everyone sees because you're the one giving up the completion. But you really could have been helped out a lot if we had a little bit more of a consistent pass rush. That's where I think we have to improve. If our defense, like if you look at our defense, which has been so good under Kirby Smart, he's been so good every single year. But what's the one thing that we can do to take to the next level and get a little bit better? Because you always get better. I think it's edge rushing. Yeah. And like in 2021, we did a really good job of, of getting pressure using our inside linebackers. So we, we saw our talent. We said, okay, these are the guys that are our best rushers, and we're just going to rush them. But at some point, because like right now, like, Pop is he rushes the passer well enough. Smile rushes the passer well enough, but they don't rush the passer as well as the guys in 2021, as well as the Kobe Dean and Quay Walker and Chang Tindall. They just don't. They're good at it. They're not that good at it. So if they're not going, if they're not as prolific rushing the passer, we've got to get more from our edge players. And Michael Williams came along last year doing a lot of that for us. We needed him to take another step, and we need somebody that plays the jack to actually be able to do that. And because last year, Curtis, we were 76 nationally in standard down pass rush, 45th nationally in passing down pass rush which tells me when we knew teams were going to pass in, the, in third and longs you know that's when we bring our dime package out we get it designed we bring different pressures bring Jalen walker on the field we were pretty good rushing the passer in those situations but when it's standard downs and it wasn't obvious pass down we were not prolific rushing the passer we were not even particularly good rushing the passer yeah. that's where i think we can take the next step if we do that if we can find a way to generate more pressure off the edge then I think we can take a step closer to being the, that 2021 caliber best defense in the country. Because we weren't that last year. We were good. We weren't the best. I think if we can find more way to pressure more, I think we can be, once again, the best defense in the country. I, 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 real quickly, kind of, kind of like we did with offense, you know, we were really young last year for the most part, but we are losing some impact players. You mentioned Jalen Carter, so I don't want to spend too much time on that, but how much does it hurt to lose Jalen Carter, Curtis? Um, I think it's huge. Um, we saw we took a step back when we did lose him defensively. It was um, noticeable when he was like when he came back from injury. Like it was clear he was a difference maker for us. And we got to find somebody to be that difference maker. It, it, who who is the closest to being that? Curse like this year. Is it going to be Bear Alexander? Is he the one that you think can be like that difference maker on the interior? Because we I do believe it's going to be Bear Alexander. You saw it in the in the um, championship game. He's going to be the the biggest difference maker on the in the interior defensive line. Yeah, I think he started coming along late this season, and I think it's it's he's got to be the odds-on favorite there. I'm curious to see what Warren Brinson can do. I thought he was really disruptive at times. Um, I wanted to see him get more consistent against the run, but he's an explosive guy on the interior. Not as explosive as Jalen Carter, but he's got some of that explosiveness. I thought Nas did a really good job for us. Maybe he can give us a little bit more as a pass rusher, but he did a really good job kind of stabilizing the interior of the defense from that zero tech. Um, Keely Ringo, we mentioned him a little bit there, Curtis. How much does it hurt to lose Keely Ringo? I don't think it hurts too much. I think that we have better pure cover corners ready to go. Well, like I said, I mean, I do think that Kamari Laster was our best cover corner. I think Dalen Everett's going to be the guy. Him and Laster are going to be two shutdown corners, in my opinion. Yeah, I think Dalen's good. He's the odds-on favorite. I mean, we have a bunch of guys back there that we recruited, and they'll all get their crack at it. But Dalen was the first guy off the bench last year. I think he'll be that guy again this year. And uh, we haven't seen a ton from him, so it's hard to say definitively. But I, I love what I saw from him coming out of, from him coming out of high school and, and his, you know, he didn't get a ton of reps. When the reps that he did get, I liked what I saw from him. He's got the physical profile to do it. I think he's going to be that guy based on everything that I'm hearing and everything that I've seen. And Keeley, like, we were really hard on Keeley. I mean, everybody was in the George Bulldog fan base. But Keeley also some really good things for us. And, I mean, this is a guy that 
might end up in the first round of the NFL draft. It's tough to lose guys like that. But I also think that we recruit really well at that position. I mean, we've recruited the DB, the corner position as well as anybody in the country in the past two, three years. So we've got a lot of options there. And I have to believe whoever we find, they're going to be young, they're going to make some freshmen or some young mistakes, some inexperienced mistakes. But I think talent-wise, I don't think we're going to lose that much. Keeley was just so – it was a combination of size, length, and speed with Keeley. This thing he lacked, as we always said, was just awareness. And Dalen never can come in and give us some more awareness, like – Maybe that compensates for not being quite as big and quite as fast as Keely Ringo. What about Nolan Smith, Curtis? Um, I think it's will be a miss. Um, I mean, we missed him when we lost him. So I think, but I do think that that's the one thing is at least we got to give some of these other guys experience, valuable experience that this year will help them not where we won't miss him as much. Yeah, I thought Chaz Chambliss, I mean, he's not Nolan Smith from a talent standpoint. He's never going to be. But I thought he really improved as the season wore on. He was a very different player you know, by the end of the season than he was, like, when he had to come in and play in the Florida game and, you know, play the Mississippi State game, play in Tennessee, you know, or I guess not as much in the Tennessee game, but play in the Mississippi State game and uh, play down the stretch against Kentucky. Like, he was he was not great for us when he first got got in there. But, like, how was it going to be? He, he missed the first half of the year with a hamstring injury, so he wasn't really practicing or repping or doing anything. He comes in there kind of cold turkey and and was not really quite ready for that, but i got to give the guy credit. He really, really improved. You can tell he's working. He's a hard worker. And uh, those kind of guys have a way of getting better. And I think he'll be even better this year for us. Is he going to be as good as Nolan was? No, probably not. But I do think we have a lot, as we talked about earlier, we do have a lot of options, more options this year at the edge player at, this, at that jack position we did last year. So hopefully one of them will be able to step up there. I think what we miss, what we're going to miss the most from Nolan Curse is just from a, as a leadership standpoint, right? Yeah, no, I agree. I think that even when he wasn't in there, he was a hugely, a big part of that leadership group. So I think we won't miss him there. Yeah, I mean, I, I know that we focus so much on on the field stuff because that's what we see with our own eyes. Like we don't see as much as the leadership stuff behind the scenes, but you hear some things. And we know, like, like Nolan could have gone and just started training for the NFL after he got hurt against Florida. Like, he could have just left the team and started training. A lot of guys in, in the past have done that for different teams. He didn't. He stayed with the team throughout everything. And um, I got to give that guy a lot of props, man, a lot of credit. And that's a big part of our success, girls. It's not just talent. Yes, we have as much talent as anybody in the country. We know that. But Kirby has built a culture and he cultivates leaders and, uh, you know, losing leaders like Nolan Smith is a tough thing. You got to find somebody to fill that void. And, and I was concerned about this after last season, we lost so many leaders too, um, come after 2021 for the first national title, but we were able to come back and, and we had a way to find more leaders and, and yeah, Kirby does a great job of cultivating them. So I'm, I'm sure we'll find somebody, somebody else to step up into that void, but guys like Nolan Smith don't come around that often. Like dudes like that in your locker room, and you just don't like to lose guys like that. So I think we're going to miss him from that standpoint probably more than anything. All right, Kurt, last thing here before we get out of here, man. All right, same thing I asked you for offense. Give me a name. Who do you expect to take a big step forward this year on defense to become a household name or an impact player that hasn't been one to this point in his career? I mentioned him earlier. I'm going to go Daylon Everett. I think that he's going to be a – much better pure cover corner and he's long can make all the plays but I think he's more fluid and everything in his hips and the way he turns so I think he's gonna be a huge cover corner guy for us next year great call that was gonna be mine I'm gonna go I'm gonna go a different direction I'll go with the guy I I also mentioned Darius Smith I know Marvin Jones Jr. is the one that gets a lot of the talk because he was the five-star guy that got late in the cycle coming into last year Darius Smith is a guy that has unlimited potential he's tall he's long he's athletic this is a guy that could be a dynamic edge rusher. Like physically, he look he kind of reminds me a lot of Dallas Turner, like thin but tall, long, explosive, a little bit taller actually. 
I mean, it, you guys might have seen him some. You know, he got hurt in the, you know in the middle of the year, and that's one of the reasons. Like when when Nolan went down, he wasn't seeing as much playing time or really any playing time because he was hurt. But late in the year, he got back healthy, and you guys might have seen him that the uh, the wide left kick, the midnight miracle, right against Ohio State, the one that ended up winning us the football game. Well, there was one dude that jumped about 17 feet in the air. Remember seeing that, Curtis? That was Darius Smith. And if the ball was online, I believe 100% he was going to block the kick because he jumped like to the freaking moon. This guy has got athleticism times infinity. Now, he's raw, but now with the year in the system, he's going to have another offseason. If he can start to sharpen some of that skill set and, and take a step forward this year, He's got all the tools it takes to be a dynamic, explosive edge rusher from that jack position. I don't know if he's going to gain enough weight. I don't know if he's going to bulk up enough. I don't know. But from an athleticism standpoint, he's got the goods. And there's going to be opportunity there. So that's just a name I'm going to put out there. I'm really excited to see what Darius Smith can do this year. Can he turn into be an impact player? So I'm going to throw his name out there since you stole mine, since you stole Dan Everett. All right, guys, that officially does it for us today here on the Glory UGA podcast. It was great to have Curtis back on here, and it was great to talk some actual Georgia football. You don't always get a chance to really dive in like that during the offseason, so it was fun to kind of just dive right in and, and talk some ball. And I hope you guys actually enjoyed this episode. I know we've been promising to do this for a couple of weeks, maybe a month plus now. It was great to finally be able to sit down and get it done. I will be back later this week with part two of our exit interview series. And we'll wrap things up at the very end of the week with another edition of the Friday Five. So a lot of great content for you the rest of the week. Make sure to check back then. But for Curtis, I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs.